0: But we want to talk about marriage specifically, because uh, let's be honest, marriages are under attack, and we need to talk about marriage because marriage matters to God, and the way God defined marriage, uh, we need to keep celebrating, we need to keep investing in for the generations to come. In the beginning, God designed marriage, and he put a stamp of approval on it. He said, in Genesis 2:24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh."
1: You mean You know, our goal in marriage is oneness with God and each other. But let's be real, relationships are complicated. And uh, I'm just so thankful that we have God's word, that we've got his guidelines for living to help us. I'm so glad. And our prayer this morning is that marriages would be strengthened and relationships would be um, enriched. And if it's okay with you all, uh, we just like to take perfect off the table if that's okay. You know, as young people, and we were quite young when we got married, we dreamed of a perfect marriage, and then we got married. (laughs) Uh, And a perfect marriage would require two perfect people. And uh, I love you, hun, but you're not perfect. And you well know by now that neither am I. You know, we heard recently, you know, a pretty good marriage is awesome. You know, pretty good is, is better than good. You know, pretty good uh, allows for mistakes. It allows for forgiveness and growth in the process of maturity. Perfection, on the other hand, that does not. It does not allow for mistakes and to accept room for improvement. You know, imagine if we could grow our, our relationships, our marriages by 5%. We would grow every year. And when we shared in our campus, I was like, you know, 5% over 20 years, that's about 100% better. And we had an accountant email us, and he's like, Amy, you forgot to add compound interest. 5%, (laughs) I know, 5% over 20 years, it's not 100% better, it's 264% better. I'm like, I like the sound of that. Uh, Yes, please, uh, to uh, that return.
0: Fantastic. Um, We've been married now for almost 25 years. We were married when we were seven. Um, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Um, We started dating far too young. Uh, I was 21, Amy was 19 when we got married. Uh, Some people said, you're too young. And I said, well, I want to spend the rest of my life growing with this person. And so we chose to do that. And I think one of the keys to our marriage is we just keep turning up. You just got to keep turning up. You got to wake up in the morning and you got to go, I'm in this and I'm fully in this relationship. And We've probably had moments, uh, we both had moments where probably the temptation was to get up and go, to get up and walk. And uh, we realized early on that marriage is hard. So is divorce. So is separation. So we are going to choose a hard? We've chosen the hard of marriage. And we're going to work hard on our marriage. And if you don't want to deal with hard, don't get married. That's my encouragement. If you don't want to deal with hard, don't get married. That's why Paul said it is better that you're single. That's true. But if you want the blessings of marriage, and there are blessings of marriage, we're not, we're not here to put people off marriage, okay? We're trying to encourage people to celebrate a good marriage. But you've got to put some work into it. You've got to really add value to each other. Um, Amy and I, we don't have a perfect marriage, not even close. But after two and a half decades uh, I think we've got a pretty good marriage, and it gets better, and it gets stronger every single year. Uh, we've realized that marriage is all about learning and growing, and there's no one I'd rather share this journey of life um, in the highs and the lows with than this amazing woman here. Um, she knows all of my secrets, and she Hopefully, doesn't Hopefully. share too many of them today. So.
1: <laughs> no, I promise. I promise I won't. You know, we've got three um, beautiful children. We have Rosie, who's fourteen, Josiah, who's eleven, and Zoe is eight. And uh, some of you might know, but if you don't, we made babies the hard way. We went through ten years of infertility, something that could have broken our marriage, has actually become a real strength and a foundational part of who we are in our ministry um, to others. So how many have more than three kids here? How many have ventured? Yes, I know you would be there. Have we got a
0: four? Anyone got four? Anyone got more than four? Anyone got more than five? (laughs) More than six? Oh my goodness, look at this, keep going, amazing.
1: You're amazing. (laughs) We we celebrate you all, you're absolute legends.
0: You know, one of the reasons I think we've got a pretty good marriage is we love God's Word. Uh, we've made a decision to build our marriage on the Word of God and trust the truth of God's Word. Sometimes when we look at God's Word, it's hard to take because it means it requires some action, some giving up of some things that we would like to selfishly hold for ourselves. Um, while the world would like to redefine marriage, gender, sexuality, God's Word is very clear about what marriage is supposed to look like and be. And we need to hold firm, we need to stand and build great marriages so that the world would see Christ in our marriages. Um, I, some of you may know, I've written a series of books um, and one of the books, Loving the Skin You're In, is all about identity. I actually offered 300 free copies to a school um, and they came back and said, no, thank you. Um, there's a bit too much of an agenda on that book. The agenda is that we would celebrate a child in the skin they're originally born in. But that's an agenda in our world. Marriage is a whole other agenda. So, why does God define marriage the way He does? We're going to explore that today. If we build on man's wisdom, it's crumbling all of our relationships will fail. But if we trust the word of God and we build our marriages upon the truth and the principle of God's word, we will build marriages that will last, that our children's children's children will say, thank you, thank you for building a marriage, thank you for modeling something that I could input into my own marriage itself. Now, Paul the Apostle and the writer of much of the New Testament, he, the chapters five and six of Ephesians are incredible um, conversations around how we treat one another, the different relationships. And the the, the chapter 5 speaks about um, this mutual submission that we should have towards one another. And it's speaking about all relationships, you know, not one greater than the other, but mutually submitting. But then he gets into specific roles in verse 22 of Ephesians 5. It says, so verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ wives submit to your husbands as sorry submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word
1: and what we see here is just a beautiful picture of a godly marriage and you know it's both submissive and it's sacrificial between a husband and wife. And what we see in this text is that God is establishing an order. Friends, it's not about value. It's about an order. And I don't think I understood this um, as a newly married wife, but it's about an order. It's not about a woman being less important than a man. It's actually about order. And I think We see the culture we live in is so fighting this, and I think it's time. Time to turn the upside-down order on its head. You know, we as wives, of those of you who are married here, we choose to submit to our own husband. And... uh, to his leadership in the home and I actually think they have a harder job than us because as we've read actually the husband needs to lay down his life actually to die it says like Christ has for us and um, I'll gladly submit to that so this morning we're gonna he's like he's like thanks I know and many times you have and I so appreciate that and this morning, we're just gonna share some keys just quickly with the time we've got left um, to building a pretty good marriage. And with that, we wanna ask um, ask you one question that you can ask um, of each other uh, this coming week. So you ready for the first one? Number one, make communication clear and consistent. Make communication clear and consistent. You know, we believe that it's not good looks, it's not personality, sex or money that makes a great relationship, but it's clear and consistent communication. Uh, I think good communication allows us to manage and prioritise expectations of each other. Um, It's all about what we say and what we don't say. Communication comes through our words, through our non-verbal, and through our spirit. Uh, You know, as Mike said, we've been married almost 25 years, and we still get this wrong. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we were ordering coffee here in Auckland. Do you want to share that story?
0: Sure. Um, How many people think that coffee is a tool to a great marriage? Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we like our coffee, and uh, there's one particular coffee shop, uh, cafe, that we, uh, we like to get our coffee from. And normally we'll pull into the car park, but on this particular day, the traffic was pretty tight. And so we just pulled over on the side of the road. We just needed to cross the road to go get the coffee. And so I said to Amy, uh, well, Amy said, I'll I'll go grab them. I'm like, cool, no problem. So uh, she hops out, uh, crosses the road, uh, goes and orders the coffees. And then all of a sudden my phone rings. And and it's Amy. I'm like, hey, what's up? And I can see her through the window, kind of waving at her. She says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the coffees over the road. Can you come and help me? I'm like, I can do that. Of course I can. So uh, the knight in shining armour gets up out of the car and crosses the road, and and, and, I, and I arrive there in the cafe, and she wasn't that excited to see me. She's like, did you bring the car? I'm like, no. You, you asked me to come and help you with the coffees, and here I am. She said, no, no, I wanted you to bring the car. I said, well, I didn't bring it. It's still over there. And so uh, we get to the side of the road, and um, I've got the coffees, I'm holding the coffees, and... So I crossed the road, you know, guys, you see a gap and you take it. And so so you go and, and there was plenty of room. She didn't even have to run. She just had to walk alongside me. And I'm like, all right, here we go. So we're crossing the road, except it's only me crossing the road. And so I'm looking back and she's paused and she's standing on the side of the road and she's shouting at me across the traffic, I'm going to the crossing. So she's off to the crossing and you could just see the heat rising and I'm sitting in the car with the coffees now as she's made her way across the pedestrian crossing back into the car and I wish I could have filmed it for you to see but I love it too much. (laughs) Yeah, communication has got to be clear.
1: I'm sure I told him to bring the car but apparently I did not so Communication, oh my goodness. To be honest, it's all about communication. And um, in Proverbs, we're told that the tongue you know, has the power of life or death. And I really like Psalm and forty-one, three. It says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. That's a great prayer to pray every day. Multiple times a day, I have to choose whether or not I say what I'm thinking. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we take captive every thought. And we make it obedient to Christ. You know, our nonverbal communication speaks loudly, doesn't it? You know, the shrugs, maybe the rolling of the eyes. uh, It communicates so much. And I think the nonverbal is meant to accent our verbal communication, not be the primary source. And so ladies that are married, your husband is not a mind reader. Even I'm still working that out decades later. (laughs) And so, you know, maybe slamming doors, rolling of the eyes, shrugs of the shoulders, that's just not going to tell, not going to help. And if he says, are you fine? Are you okay? And you reply, I'm fine. And you're not fine. He it's will fine, literally take fine. it as, as I'm fine.
0: <laughs> now, guys, um, <laughs> generally, <laughs> our communication isn't our strongest tool, right? Um, so we need to learn how to communicate, verbal, nonverbal, and a spirit. Again, make it clear make it consistent let's communicate in such a way that uh, where there's no doubt as to what is being communicated a good relationship requires a commitment to talk to each other at a meaningful level every day not just once a year when you go away but every day we need to be clear with our communication it gets harder as you have children and as your children grow older Uh, we have teenager now and she just gets started at nine o'clock at night. She's ready to go. She's ready to talk. And so we have to pick times in our day in order to communicate effectively, clear and consistent.
1: And for for us, our day off is a Friday. And so we will normally do this um, like Mike said, you know, on a daily basis, but once a week, we open our diaries, we open our planners, we look at what's coming up, we look, we talk about how our communication is going, we talk about our kids, uh, we talk about our sex life because that's important. Uh, we talk about money because that's also important, how our budget is going, or I like to call it a spending plan. (laughs) How our spending plan is going. Um, We we book in date nights, and it's really handy to have a 14-year-old now. She's great. (laughs)
0: So understanding this will hugely add to the value of our communication. Uh, So a question that you can ask uh, maybe this week as you have some marriage time together um, that maybe will help us grow even 5% in our marriage. What's one thing I could communicate better this week to you that would make our relationship 5% better? Cool? Second key to building a pretty good marriage is put each other's needs above your own. Um, If you're a selfish person, marriage is probably not going to work for you. Uh, just saying, if you want the blessings of being married, you also have to count the cost that it's no longer about you and Jesus. You have another person. And if you have children, other people that you have to give your time and effort to. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 speaks of uh, Christ and his relationship with us and his relationship with God. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but instead to the interests of others. What does that look like in real life? I've yet to meet a person who said to me, I have all the time in the world. I wish I had more to do. I wish my task list was longer so I could have, yeah. you know, we're all busy. Every single person, even when we retire, there's new things that we find to do. We're we're always looking for something more. There are always pressures on us, whether you are the CEO of a business or the CEO of a home. There is always a stakeholder wanting your time and effort, whether it be wiping a, a dirty bottom at home or cleaning up a mess, or maybe it's a production or a personnel problem at work. Everybody is demanding more than we can give. And so here's the challenge in marriage, because unfortunately, we often give our best in our workplace, or we give our best at home, and, and so, so we, we will give and give and give. We'll be kind, we'll open doors, we'll talk nicely, we'll keep that thought that we kind of wanted to say but chose not to, so you bite your tongue, and so you get home and you are completely spent on all the good stuff, Right? It's like your fruits of the Spirit are all eaten, and it's gone. And there's nothing left in the fruit bowl, and you come home, and your family gets it. There's no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's gone. And we find ourselves now, instead of giving our family our best, we give them our worst. So we have to make a decision in marriage to consider each other's needs better than our own. Even when our day's been full, even when we've had a hard day, our family shouldn't pay for what we're feeling. We've got to give of ourselves so that they can grow, that we can uh, build a pretty good marriage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think I just really appreciate when Mike does this. For us, it means a lot um, to, to me, to, to our kids, uh, to respond to him in the same way. We call that a win-win. You know, I, He's still working on putting his football gear in the wash, But that's okay, you're not perfect, so (laughs) it's all good. So using your newly acquired communication skills, uh, of this point, putting the needs of your spouse above your own, what's one practical thing you could ask? What's one practical thing that I could do for you this coming week that would make our relationship 5% better? You know what my one
0: was when we asked this question is, I kept leaving the door downstairs with all my football gear open, the cupboard. And it was frustrating her, but she hadn't told me. So now she's told me. Josiah and I. It was like, right, close the door. A simple thing like that.
1: Good, good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, our third key this morning to building a pretty good marriage is to address conflict quickly. Address conflict quickly, right here. This is probably what we see, is um, just something that, man, conflict hurt, offence built up and not dealt with um, really can fester and really can have an impact on your marriage. James one nineteen says everyone should be quick to listen, sorry, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's such a great verse. And I think the, the challenge is we get frustrated, don't we? We get angry, and I know it's hard to believe, but we do too, <laughs> and it says in your anger don't sin, Ephesians 4, it says don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, you know we don't have a perfect marriage, and uh, as, as we've said, and sometimes we disagree, and sometimes we argue, sometimes we fight fear, and sadly sometimes we do not. But we are convinced that if we make the right time to communicate, then actually we can say anything. Then any hurt, issue, offence, no matter how small, can be talked about in a safe place. Um, free to be spoken through and talked through without fear of judgment or belittling or being um, shut down. So what I think allows, when you can do this in a find a safe place, it, it allows what's called the love clause to take to take, um, to take action. 1 Peter 4 eight says, Above all, love each other d- deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. You know, sometimes I don't have to say everything I'm thinking. I can allow love to cover. I can allow love to cover the mistakes, to cover the hurt when I know that it can be talked through.
0: And here's a tip, gentlemen. Uh, if your wife is angry, grab a towel, drape it around her shoulders, and now she's gone from angry to super angry. <laughs> Let me know how that goes when you try that one. So. But seriously, we have to make time to communicate. We've got to be able to talk about the things that are affecting our relationship, and we've got to keep short accounts with each other. Uh, can I suggest if you try to talk about these things, these challenges, these problems while the kids are around or at the dinner table, it's not going to go well. Uh, we struggle with this. Uh, we've got an agreement that, Sometimes we'll we'll kind of start a conversation and then we kind of look at each other and go, now's not the time, is it? Now, you can put it off, but you have to come back to it. You can't just say, no, not talking about it now and never talk about it. You have to make another time to come back at the right time and talk about it. Not in the middle of family time or dinner, can I suggest. We've also got a 10 o'clock rule. Uh, We've discovered in our marriage that nothing ever gets solved after 10 o'clock at night. Like, energy's gone that conversation is only leading to bad things and bad conversations. So we, we can call that 10 o'clock, but again, we've got to reschedule that 10 o'clock, don't we? And so. if, you,
1: if Mike calls the 10 o'clock roll, he's like, you know what, this time of night, I only want to do one of two things. Sleep, That start with S. Sleep is one of them and you can fill in the gaps. Yeah,
0: and um, sometimes we, we clash in the middle um, and there's no budging either way. Uh, if things are tense at this point, this is where we've got to refer back to this, this guiding verse in Philippians. Am I considering Amy's needs above my own? And so often we want to just be proved right in our relationships. But actually we need to seek to understand. So, so I want to understand how Amy's feeling more importantly than I want to be understood. But so often we're pushing it. It's like, you've got to get me. You've got to understand. You've got, you've got to get my side across. You know, and, and we fight so hard for that. But actually we need to... Flip it the other way and say, hey, let me understand where you're coming from. Are are you saying that and and gain that understanding? Once we go from that place, then we can seek to be understood ourselves. Um, Early on in our marriage, um, I was was very good at winning an argument, even if I was completely wrong. You know, I, I could I could just come up with some kind of logical reason as to why I was right, even when I was wrong. And I was good at winning those arguments. And, and it actually shut Amy down. It really upset and, and really af- affected her. And what I've realized now is if there's a winner and a loser in an argument, then you've got it all wrong. We've got it all wrong. The goal is not to, to win or lose an argument. The goal is to grow together in our relationship. So sometimes that's conceding one to the other. Yeah.
1: And there have been um, a few, like not a lot, but a few times where actually just, we haven't been able to find that agreement. And actually, it's it's been so the right thing for me to say, actually, Mike, that you're the head of our home, you make the call. I trust your leadership in this. And that has been, I hope, a really freeing thing to say to you.
0: Well, it puts the pressure on me. Because <laughs> I can't blame anyone else but me, right? And that's me. I've got to get before God and really seek God for for us, for the sake of us. So it's a, it's an incredible blessing when your, when your wife says, I want you to lead us through that. But, me and we've got to take that responsibly, um, yeah, really seriously. So, ready for our question Uh, when it comes to conflict? Is there anything I have done this week that has upset you and we need to talk about? Ladies, can I just suggest we start with one? Just just, just one, maybe for this week and see how it goes with that. And then you can keep adding to that list. I think those 17, just, just write in a notebook and just bring up one at a time. We will get there, I promise, I promise. Um, And lastly, this morning, as uh, the team come and we just continue worshipping this morning, if we were to tell you that there was a simple five-minute daily habit that would increase the success of your marriage up to 99.9%, would you be interested in hearing that? Come on, of course we would. And it's probably not going to surprise you that it's prayer. Pray with and for each other. One study recently taken was that only 11% of Christian couples pray together. By praying together, I mean more than, Lord, thank you for this food and this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Or, God, we're in a crisis. What should we do? You know, we're talking about intentional, focused. I'm not talking four hours of intercessory prayer and praying in tongues. I'm just talking about intentional, coming together, daily prayer. For God's provision, direction, His his health, you know, health for our family, that's just making that focused time of prayer. A daily coming together in that, a Gallup poll done by the National Association of Marriage Enhancement showed the divorce rate among couples who pray together regularly, consistently praying together, is one out of 1,152 couples. That's less than 0.1%. So staying together means we've gotta pray, yeah.
1: That's so, that's so powerful and so good. You know, both Mike and I, our parents have been married over 40 years, and I think probably the greatest piece of advice they've both given us is, if you want God to be at the center of your marriage, which we do, we want Him to be at the center, then praying with and for each other is an absolute. And I we've just so appreciated that, isn't it? It's our way of connecting to God, with each other, His plans and purposes um, for our marriage. And so we, um, are learning, and I don't by any means say that we've done this right and done this perfectly.
0: It's been the hardest part. Yeah, hardest. For me, for me personally, I haven't led my family in prayer for the early part of our marriage. Only now am I really leading in prayer. And it took a long time for me to actually understand that and actually make that a priority. Sorry.
1: No, that's all good. And I think we're learning to, to say, should we pray about it? You know, maybe um, one of our kids is sick. Oh boy, that has had them a lot this year. Um, Should we pray about it? Um, Our finances are tight. Should we pray about it? Maybe there's conflict over an issue. Should we pray about it? Do you want to stay married to me? You're awesome. (laughs) Should we pray about it? I love that. And it does sound cheesy, but statistically we've heard that this is so true that a couple that prays together stays together. One John five fourteen says, "This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us." And as Mike said, this has been a challenge, but we are so. This is our five percent. We are just so determined um, to make this a priority and see this grow. You know, it's really hard to stay grumpy with someone that you've made a commitment to pray with.
0: <laughs> and can I suggest, husbands, for some of us, maybe our first step is to ask for forgiveness. You know, maybe some are going, oh, I don't even pray with my wife. No guilt, no condemnation. God, on, just a conviction of Holy Spirit today. Saying, come on, you can start today. You can add value to your marriage today, but it might be, hey, I'm sorry I haven't prayed for you. Can we make that a priority in this next season? Can we make a priority to pray with and for each other? And the, the reality is also for some, Maybe marriage is tough. Maybe at the moment it's, it's pretty tough what's going on in your life and in your marriage. Maybe you know others that are going through that. And probably one prayer and one conversation isn't going to change that. Maybe actually you need to invest something into your marriage. You know, we do a warrant of fitness on our cars, right? We even go to the dentist that we're supposed to, to, to take care of the things that we think are matter to us. When was the last time you invested in your marriage? You go to a weekend to remember or, or attend a marriage course. or If we are truly serious about having a pretty good marriage, then we might have to invest some time. Maybe it's some counseling, some professional counseling to help us in our marriage to work through some of the challenges that we're facing. But would we invest into our marriages? As we said, there's a cost to a pretty good marriage. And I'd say that time and money would be really well spent. So the last question, you ready? When will we make time to pray during the week for our marriage? I get emotional about this one. Because for some, it might be you're gonna pray together meaningfully for the first time. Now some of you, you're doing it and you've been doing it and carry on and don't get tired of doing that. Maybe for some it's just kind of once a week. It's like every now and then you go, oh, we should probably pray. Could you just lift that? Maybe just just do that once or twice. And maybe you can start to get that habit of daily praying for one another. And for those that haven't really prayed much, make a commitment once this week. We're going to take five minutes. We're going to hold each other's hand. We're going to pray for one another.
1: Yeah. I think we should pray today. Yeah. (laughs) I'd just love to pray for the ladies this morning. That'd be awesome. Father God, I just thank you. Uh, that you are here. Father, I thank you for every woman in this place, Lord, those that are single. Father God, we just pray your absolute blessing on them. Father, we pray that they would be singly minded in their pursuit of you, Jesus. And I pray for the ladies in this room that are married. Lord, I pray for the wives. I pray that you would help us to be incredible helpmates to our husbands, to submit to their leadership in our homes. Lord, I pray that we would set a beautiful tone in our homes with your help, Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray that the heart of our husband would trust us and we would bring him every good thing. Lord, I ask that you would help our love to be patient and kind. To I love that Lord as it says in 1 Corinthians 13 that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, a love that endures through every circumstance.
0: And Father, I want to pray for the men. I want to pray for those men who are single now but may be desiring uh, to be married. Father, I pray that they would be Single heartedly focused in their pursuit of You. Father, I pray for married men here today. I pray, Lord, that they would have the courage, Lord, even to just ask for forgiveness, to, to maybe start again and to lead again. Lord, the responsibility to be the head of the home is simply to submit first to You. Father, I pray that husbands would submit themselves to You, Lord Jesus, that they would have the courage and the empowering work of the Holy Spirit to lead their own family. That they would pray, that they would protect, that they would provide where they can, that they would provide an environment where if 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 there are children in the family, that they would thrive and flourish, that they would teach their own children the word of God and 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 commit to prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, for, for your grace on the conversations that might follow today. Lord, if there has been pain and hurt, Lord, I pray for an extension of grace to one another. I pray, Lord, for a humility that says, I want to make this work. If our marriage is just okay, we want to have a pretty good marriage. We want to go to that next level by growing together. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that extends to us. We need it to build great marriages. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.